Thank you for listening to the Burning Bush Podcast. Today we're starting a new series where we will be diving into the five solas. And during the 16th century, Christianity was changed forever. Roused to action by the corruption and the abuses that they saw in the Roman Catholic Church, visionary pastors such as Martin Luther and John Calvin spearheaded a movement that led to the eventual emergence of the Protestant denominations that exist today. So let's dive into this. We live in a world that is filled to the brim with competing claims of truth. Each and every day we get bombarded with declarations that something is true and that something else is false. We're not only told by every single news outlet, but by everyone around us what we're to believe and what we shouldn't believe. We get told by friends and family to behave one way, and by the media to behave in another way. Oprah Winfrey has a book titled, What I Know For Sure, in which she tells us how to handle our lives and our relationships, and how we are to be our own champions of living the life that we want. The New York Times regularly tells us what approach we should be taking in regards to big moral, legal, or public policy issues. Further, Richard Dawkins, the British atheist and evolutionist, tells us how to think of our historical origins and our place in this universe. So how do we go about sifting through all these claims? After all, people want answers to how they should think about the relationships, morality, God, or the origins of the universe. Well, if we were to answer these questions, then we must have some sort of norm, standard, or criteria to which we can appeal. Or in other words, we need an ultimate authority. And this isn't a purely Christian concept. Everyone has some sort of ultimate norm to which they appeal, whether or not they're aware of it. And for some, this authority goes by the name of reason or logic. Others appeal to themselves and their own objective senses and feelings. Although there can be some truth found in each of these kinds of approaches, Christians have universally affirmed that there is only one thing that can legitimately function as a supreme standard, and that is God's word. There's no higher authority than God himself. So before we really dive into this, I want to point out that we're not the first generation of people to struggle with competing truth claims. Let's go back to the very first generation, Adam and Eve. God told them explicitly that you shall surely die if they were to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yet in the next chapter, in chapter 3 of Genesis, the serpent told them, you will not surely die. So how should Adam and Eve have adjudicated these claims? There's only one standard to which they should have consulted, and that was simply the one standard that they knew, the Word of God. But as we know, they didn't do this. They used their own judgment instead of looking to God's Word. Genesis 3.6 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, she took of its fruit and ate. But the fall was more than just Adam and Eve eating from the tree. At its core, the fall was about God's people rejecting God's word as the ultimate standard for all of life. And this rejection of his word is a common theme throughout all of man's history. So this brings us to the year 1517, the start of the Reformation. The Reformation began on October 31st, 1517 in Wittenberg, Germany. And the doctrine of the scripture was central, sola scriptura. During this time, the Bible was not something for the common man. Instead, we see that through the centuries since its formation, the Roman Catholic Church elevated the authority of tradition. Then on top of that, they elevated the papal office's interpretation over that of the Bible itself. And the Bible didn't have authority in the lives of Christians or even its teachers. 
So let's go back one year before Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the church. Erasmus of Rotterdam had published a Greek New Testament alongside the Latin text of the Vulgate, and it was through his own reading of the Bible and diligent reading of this Greek New Testament that Luther was led away from the Roman Catholic traditions that had obscured and twisted the gospel. So while Luther and the Roman Catholic Church believed that God's word was the ultimate standard for all of life and doctrine, Roman Catholics believed that this word could be found outside of scripture as well. Specifically, Rome claimed a trifold authority structure, which included scripture, tradition, and magisterium. The key component being the magisterium itself, and this is the authoritative teaching office of the Roman Catholic Church, which is manifested primarily by the Pope. However, it was against this point that Luther stood his ground. Hebrews 1.1 shows us that God had delivered his word to his people in a variety of ways before Christ. But it's in Hebrews 1.2 that we're told that we should no longer expect ongoing revelation now that God has spoken finally in his Son. Further, in Ephesians 2.20, we're told clearly that the apostolic office was designed to perform a one-time, redemptive historical task, lay the foundation of the church. Dr. Michael Kruger says it like this, This foundation-laying activity of the apostles primarily consisted of giving the church a deposit of authoritative teaching, testifying to and applying the great redemptive work of Christ. Thus, the New Testament writings, which are the permanent embodiment of this apostolic teaching, should be seen as the final installment of God's revelation to his people. These writings, together with the Old Testament, are the only ones that are rightly considered the word of God. So no longer relying on tradition, but scripture alone, Luther rediscovered the heart of the gospel. And others like Ulrich Zwingli and John Calvin were also affected, and we see through their teachings that these points of emphasis that we now call the five solas. These were teachings that rocked the world, brought consequences far beyond what they could have imagined, but most importantly, it was a recovery of the gospel. So let's now look at how we can apply the doctrine and teaching of sola scriptura to our lives and understanding of scripture. So as we've established, the Bible is our ultimate and trustworthy authority for faith and practice. The doctrine of sola scriptura states that the scriptures and the scriptures alone are sufficient to function as the regula fide, the rule of faith, for the church. Therefore, the only thing that one must believe to be a Christian is found in scripture and in no other source. That which is not found in scripture is not binding upon the Christian conscience. To be more specific, let's look at the following definition. The Bible claims to be the sole and sufficient rule of faith for the Christian church. And because of this, the scriptures do not need any supplement, as their authority comes from their nature as God-breathed revelation. Yet this doesn't mean that the Bible is the only place where truth can be found but it does mean that everything else that we learn about God and his world and all other authorities should thereby be interpreted in light of scripture. It's the word of God that gives us everything we need for our theology. Matthew Barrett says it like this, only scripture, because it is God's inspired word, is our inerrant, sufficient, and final authority for the church. It's important that you notice that the basis of sola scriptura is scripture's inspired nature. As Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And this is not something that can be said of church tradition, councils, or church leaders, as important as they all may be. Instead, we know that while scripture may have many human authors, it has but one divine author. 
The Holy Spirit, Peter tells us, carried along the biblical authors so that what they said, God himself said, down to the very words. That's 2 Peter 1.21. So every word of the 66 books of the Bible is inspired by God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also helps us to understand and obey Scripture. And unfortunately, as with many truths found in the Bible, people end up misunderstanding and misapplying them. And this is also true with Sola Scriptura. One common type of misapplication of Sola Scriptura is through a type of individualistic thought of a me-God-in-the-Bible approach. And in this approach, the church bears no real authority, and the history of the church remains unconsidered when interpreting and applying Scripture. Put plainly, this approach assumes that the Bible is the only authority, instead of the understanding that the Bible is the only infallible authority. And what's ironic about this position is that this actually undermines the very doctrine of Sola Scriptura that it intends to protect. When we emphasize the autonomy of individual believers, we end up with private, subjective conclusions about what Scripture means. This is ultimately placing the authority of the individual over the authority of Scripture. So that's why it's also important that we can rely on church fathers' counsel and creeds. Many think that the Reformers were coming up with something new, which that's not the case. Instead, they were recovering something very old, something that the early church believed, but later twisted and distorted. So second, the doctrine of Sola Scriptura protects us from overcorrecting and raising creeds and confessions or any other human documents or ideas to the level of Scripture. So we must avoid the same mistake as Rome, embracing what some would call traditionalism, which ultimately binds the consciences of Christians in areas that the Bible does not. However, the biggest danger isn't misunderstanding Sola Scriptura. This is one of the easier solos to grasp and understand, as it's something that usually all of us already agree with. The Bible is God's inerrant word, as we already wrote about here, and therefore it is the ultimate authority in life. But the biggest danger is forgetting this doctrine. It's not just an age-old Catholic-Protestant battle that is now irrelevant for modern-day Christians. We need this doctrine now more than ever, and we're seeing at alarming rates misunderstandings of the Bible. You know, each year, Ligonier Ministries publishes survey results titled The State of Theology. And these results help us understand what American evangelicals believe about God, salvation, ethics, and the Bible. So I want to look at some of these statistics that Americans believe about Scripture. So the first statement that we're going to look at, this is what was told to people, and then they did a survey and they, they see where they stand. The first statement says, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Shockingly, 30% of American evangelicals agreed with this statement, that Jesus was not God. Let's look at the second statement. The second statement says, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 42% of American evangelicals agreed that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That should be shocking. The third statement we're going to look at says, The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. 48% of American evangelicals agreed with this statement. The next statement says, The Bible is 100% accurate in all that it teaches. 23% of American evangelicals don't agree with this statement. 
Lastly, God will always reward true faith with material blessings in this life. And unfortunately, 30% of American evangelicals agreed with this statement. These results aren't just concerning, but they're indicative of a much larger issue. The lessons from Scripture that the Reformation fought so hard to excavate from the early church and Bible are clearly becoming forgotten, and as a result, the church is, once again, beginning to rely on ultimate authorities found outside of Scripture. So this leads us back to how do we get the church back to sola scriptura? And it's clear that our Christian culture in America needs a drastic change. We live in an era of increasing misunderstanding, misapplication, false teaching, and leniency among the church. Unfortunately, this is occurring alongside a steep decline of societal moral principles and beliefs that have resulted in a country and culture that is growing increasingly more divided each and every day. And we need to stop and consider if this is merely a coincidence or an effect. And the primary way in which we can lead the church back is by actually preaching scriptures. This is why we do what we do here at Burning Bush each and every day, because it is only the Word of God that has the power to transform and reform our churches. So not only should we discuss and teach the doctrine of Sola Scriptura, but we should be demonstrating it, and not just teaching what we think our congregations want to hear, but what they need to hear. Sure, this may include some tough topics and hard messages to get through at times, but it's when we teach Toda Scriptura, all of Scripture, hand in hand with Sola Scriptura, and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can have hope for regaining this lost ground. Thank you for listening to this first episode of our new series titled, The Five Solas. For a full transcript of today's podcast, along with all of the sources that we used and some helpful resources for further study, please visit our website, burningbush.blog. Again, that's B-U-R-N-I-N-G-B-U-S-H dot B-L-O-G. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.